When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. We're back on the game. The game after work. Mitch Fortner, Troy Coverdale, David G, and Owen Burke. Phone number is 537-1350. Talk a little bit of K-State men's basketball here in uh, in just a moment. Later on in the hour, we'll take a look at position by position where the Cats currently stand uh, with potential needs with the 2024 class about ready to sign, most of them anyway, uh, for the 2024 class. As I've taken over the the uh, the hosting duties here on the game, I've uh, I've obviously had to get more and more into the recruiting process and how things work, pay more attention to the recruiting sites and all that. Um, but as we mentioned the first hour, Malcolm Alcorn Crowder has committed to the Cats as of about forty minutes ago. I don't think I stressed earlier how big of a deal this this commitment is. I I kind of played it lightly in the first hour so let me give you some more here because I already said this is now my top guy when it comes to transfers but guys this might be the crown jewel of the 2024 recruiting class and he comes from the Juco level Mm -hmm. I mean this adds to the potential on how good K-State can be at defensive end moving forward with what you consider who's all leaving which is three of your four of the rotation this past year, you consider who is you know freshman or redshirt freshman who will continue on with this with this defensive end group. Malcolm Alcorn Crowder again is a JUCO transfer from Butler this past season as a freshman. So three years of eligibility remaining, had a total of twenty eight tackles, seven sacks, and he forced a couple of fumbles. Guys, there were a ton of Power 5 teams that wanted this guy. Newey just visited Gainesville just recently. I know Cincinnati was a contender as well. But he picks the Cats. This is the number 5 player in the JUCO rankings in the transfer portal that is coming to K-State. And with that number 5 status, he has been named a four-star. So this is now player number 7 for K-State that has at least a four-star rating from at least one recruiting site Uh, and I believe it was said earlier today 
that there was a Wildcat, or soon-to-be Wildcat, that actually picked up another four-star rating from another source, and that is Gus Hawkins, who is a Kansas kid, Mill Valley kid, an offensive tackle, 6'7", 280, who is now has a four-star rating from now two sources. So mm-hmm. you now, again, out of the – where I believe now we're at 17 – 17 for the class of 2024. At least seven of the players have at least one four-star rating from the recruiting sources. So it's pretty awesome. And, again, it's not as sexy when it comes to the Kansas kids, right? There were a ton last year. Right. Avery Johnson, the crown jewel. Sunshine, staying home, becoming a cat. Well, I mean, technically, you know, he is coming from a Kansas school. It's just not out of high school. It's out of the JUCO ranks. <laughs> right. He's staying home, and he's going to become a Wildcat with three years of eligibility. So, guys, this is a uh, this is a big one. Yeah. And this is, I mean, six six two ninety five is going to be playing defensive end for K State here in the very very near future. Love that. Good grief. Yeah, and his like his stats all look super solid. Um, you cannot teach that kind of size. He's six six, almost three hundred pounds. Can't wait to see him get in a D one weight room and on a D one like eating schedule, and see what the training staff can do with this guy. I mean, he could be a beast. And you said he has three years of eligibility. That's awesome. It's a huge get, and I mm-hmm. think with the size there, there's probably some flexibility to play all three or four spots across the D line at three hundred pounds too. So. If you can get a kid that can generate pressure and then you could put him on the interior of the line being at 300 pounds, like having that much pressure up the middle can really change what an offense has to do against you. So there's a lot of potential coming straight from Butler. I'm very excited. Former Grizzly myself. Oh. Oh, just subtle drops. How good was Grizzly? Oh, back, oh, how, how good was Butler back in the day when you were there? Um, when pretty I was solid, there, like they typically are. I they thought were, they were. Yeah, they oh. were pretty solid. Um, they was just coming off of like a lot of the the top ranked seasons. So there was a we had a couple rough games, but I actually filled for filmed for their football team for a season and a half or so. So nice. I got got to know some of the guys on that coaching staff and everything. They have, they have a great program, and I'll tell you that. Taylor Bratt can just run to Butler anytime he wants to. His father's pretty <laughs> famous around that part of the state. So use it as a pipeline. Get yourself some four stars. I'm all for it. Yeah. Okay, so where was I? I forgot where I was. Sorry. Um, I'm trying to circle back. Where was I? Come on. I forgot what I was going to say. Oh, yeah. So I meant to mention this earlier, and it was actually speaking of four stars. This is something I completely forgot about. And this is on me, but again, I'm not you know the biggest follower of the actual recruiting stuff until signing day comes around, and then I kind of play catch up. But um, with all the stuff I have to keep up with, but um, there is a offensive lineman out of South Dakota who actually from 24/7 Sports is a four-star offensive lineman, and he's going to walk on at K State. That's crazy. Brandon Shunky, I'm taking a guess on that last name, but again, 6'5", 285 out of Brandon, South Dakota, class of 24, has been named a four-star by 24-7, and he is going to walk on. And that's after he got offers from Auburn, Illinois, Arizona State, among others. It's got to be a wild story behind that. <laughs> I, I can't wait to hear about it. Yeah, that's there's definitely a story there. <laughs> Uh, I did want to touch on uh, K-State men's basketball a little bit. This will be uh, – really, I mean, this is my last show of the week when it comes to talking before the Wichita State game. We get a chance to just talk briefly about 
men's hoops and where I'm at right now on K State. I talked. To, we talked a lot about it yesterday with with Wyatt, and you know, I'm kind of back to a cautiously optimistic approach with K State moving forward with Wichita State, and then you have Chicago State on the second, and then you're into Big Twelve play on January sixth. That you know, after the Nebraska game, it's never going to be that bad again. I mean, that was as worse as it's been in the last 30 years. So odds are you're yeah. not going to have a night like that again where it's just incredibly ugly on really both ends of the floor. I say both ends. I mean, offensively couldn't hit a shot. And then for a lot of the second half, you just couldn't buy a rebound. You know, try to keep them off the offensive glass. Looked very tired throughout the course of that second half. Just you know, when you start talking about shots that weren't falling, and there, Coach was right. Coach Tang brought it up uh, in talking about it afterwards. He thought that there were good shots in the offense, and he's right. They just weren't falling. And you know, when you if you go back and you watch that, you'll see a lot of rim rather than a lot of net. And therein, you know, you get to that point where you're like, yeah, guys' legs just were not there for that game that day. Rebound-wise, I, I don't know what Nebraska, how they were able to pull off that many rebounds. It was crazy. Plus 17 for Nebraska. Well, I, I mean, you know, and, and David Gasson, who has actually, you know, statistically been your best rebounder, was just getting abused. Yeah. I mean, he yeah. just has not had good basketball in the last couple of games, which leads me to a couple of things that still, like, you know, they're just sitting on my mind right now that, that do worry me moving forward when you're going to play consistent, like, good teams at least – when you enter conference play, it's the toughest conference in America to play college basketball. And truly right now, a worry of mine is the five-out offense. Hmm. Um, obviously, you know, Cat's going to stick with it. You're not going to not necessarily reinvent the wheel. I mean, we'd just be going back to an old wheel. Necess- you know, what, what I'm getting at here is that now with Naquan Tomlin gone, I worry about this team and the five-out for you know, a, a couple of reasons. I, one, I don't like you know, how slow that Tyler Perry has been with the basketball when he gets the pass. And when the ball is in his hands, I think this, the offense, and he sits there, he's looking, he's serving. The offense is slowing down mm-hmm. too much when it spaces. And then you wait for the ball screen, and he's always passing out of it. Uh, and again, I'm not the biggest expert on basketball X's and O's, but this is just from observation that he has to be coming off a pass to him to shoot it. Mm-hmm. So that that is area number one. Area number two is now that Naquan is not a part of this, you're going to have a lot of Will McNair and David Gasson on the floor at the same time. I do not like that. <laughs> After the last couple of games, I do not like that. Because you have Will, who's actually more of your traditional... And again, going back to what Tang said, you know, with the five-out offense, it's not necessarily... It's positions one, two, three, four, five. It's just guys in the floor have a certain spot. It's not so much position, it's just a number. Well, Will McNair is still that traditional five that, you know, it's not your traditional, I guess, five out offense with him on the floor necessarily. So he's more of a post up guy. He's going to maneuver to the rim and he can start midway out and try to dribble his way in. But his offense is very inconsistent. I think defensively, him having four swats against a pretty good guy against Rink Mass, some of them were against Rink, that was really good, and I loved it. And if he can actually get some shots in the paint and score, then you're really looking good, I think. But him on David on on the floor at the same time, 
not a fan because also David does not have much of a mid-range to long-range game this year. He could hit it three or two, you know, once in a while last year, but he's not hitting any of those. Matter of fact, he's scr- he's struggling all over the floor. Is that a con- is that a confidence thing? It could be, but I think at this point we need to try and see what we can do with Buddy Rich mm-hmm. because he came into the game when boy they were struggling so much to rebound, and then before you know it, he has four, and who's he beating for the basketball? Jawan Gary and Rink Mass, who are just dominating for a while. Mm-hmm. He's out rebounding them. He's getting some putbacks. I think he finished with seven and nine in less than 20 minutes. I, just, I like his potential. He's not great defensively yet. But David Gasson has not really given you solid minutes right now. No. I hope he bounces back and becomes more of a consistent contributor other than the, the rebounds. But, you know, I think this is – he earned more minutes. I'm talking about Buddy Rich. He earned more minutes after his game against Nebraska. He was a spark when there was zero sparks in the second half. At least he rebounded a little bit. He scored a bucket. He deserves more playing time. Let's see what he can do. And I don't know if that necessarily means start – but he should be getting more minutes than David Gasson, in my opinion, mm-hmm. right now. Mm-hmm. And maybe you send a message to David because mm-hmm. maybe he needs a reality check. He knows he's struggling, but maybe a little bit of a benching. Let's see what it can do. I don't know how Tang will decide to handle that. We'll find out on Thursday. But Buddy Rich should get some more minutes. Mm-hmm. You brought up the movement offensively. I do want to touch on that a little because what they – tends to be is a stickiness because a stickiness of the ball is what it is referred to, that the offense just sticks in a spot, and that's when Tyler Perry gets the ball. That's not necessarily a knock on Tyler, but there's become an expectation in guys' minds that he's going to be the one to start this offense and get it going, and they have to wait on him to make a move. And... One of the great things about last year's team was very little did that ball stick. Mm-hmm. You saw movement constantly out of where the basketball was going. Always getting paint touches. Exactly. You know. Exactly. How much of that is with this change in the offense? How much of that is just in general the different roles and different guys that you are playing this year as a pair as opposed to a year ago? You know, th- those are the types of things that. When you're overhauling not just what you're doing offensively from year to year, and that's not a knock on the coaching staff, that's just a recognition. This portion of the schedule, the early portion of the schedule, can be tough to get all of that accomplished. And you're doing it with a group of guys then that are still learning to play with each other. And that can be tough. That can be real tough. And then And then to add to it, you wind up being minus one of the guys that you expected to be a part of the mix. In K-State, I mean, shooting the three, I mean, they're down 4% than where they were last year, and they're shooting the three way more mm-hmm. than last year. I think they're shooting seven more a game than last year's team, and they're 4% worse. A big part of that is Tyler Perry has to hit open threes. He is a 41% three-point shooter at North Texas 
and at K-State, he's 32%. Mm. We are not getting the advertised Tyler Perry. Um, and, with the, and with the five out, I mean, you look for the mismatches. You want to drive. You're looking for kickouts. You're looking through so many things based off of a mismatch and a drive. Well, Tyler Perry isn't beating anybody to the hoop. He can't shake. He has a tough time shaking off defenders. Mm-hmm. And I think that's part of the reason why you see freezes in the offense is because defenders have, okay, there's one option against him. His best opportunity to score is from three. He's not exactly hitting those threes yet, but he's not driving on anybody, so he can play some pretty close defense against him. He's not a threat inside, so just take away the three if you can. Do you feel like it's more of he's struggling to hit those threes, or do you feel like maybe he's not getting to as comfortable of a spot as he was beforehand or well that's why i said i think he needs to get the pass and not be passing yeah i've always preferred he needs to come off the ball not a ball screen he needs to come off a screen away from the ball you know and it also probably depends on if ever if they're switching everything or not um you know again x's and o's i'm not the expert here but there has to be an effort to get him open open more but he has to hit those shots that's the thing i think k-state let me let me take something back here real quick maybe i shouldn't be blaming the ball screen setting him up for the shots maybe that's actually been pretty good on second thought he just has to hit the shots Mm -hmm. he missed a ton of open shots in the second half against nebraska but at the same time i mean you know i mean arthur kaluma had just such an off day where he wanted to drive and a lot of his layups just looked really ugly Cam Carter struggled with that as well. It was just a team-wide struggle. But I think my biggest concern right now, though, is, okay, this offensive move was going to benefit the most Naquan Tomlin. After that, I would think you would argue Arthur Kaluma, But that's also got to be consistent. And he's really been the only – him and Cam Carter, I would say, have been the two consistent guys that can actually drive on a five-out offense in mismatches and maybe make something out of it. Or get to the free throw line, um, but I do worry. Like I honestly, like I, I don't know if I'm the biggest fan for this type of team for a five out offense. No, and I, you bring up a great point because if the objective is to be able to get Tyler Perry to a spot where he's open, coming off of screens like you would like, a five out offense isn't going to get that accomplished. There's going to be a lot of maneuvering that needs to take place on the interior or on the edges of the paint where he can duck into the paint and be able to get out of the paint where someone on the team picked up that screen, where someone picked up that defender and just added that much more traffic on the interior that allowed him to spring loose and be able to get out to a spot to shoot. Or even just on the wing, you know, inside of the three-point line giving him some room to maneuver out there is is key and that's a complete different approach than what the five out offense allows for five out is built instead more for drive and dish and we're not getting a lot of that i you know i guess i'm okay with struggling early with this team, with the new offense, missing Naquan, all the things considered, it's okay, you know, because sometimes you're going to get your butt beat sometimes. And they, yeah. when when they were talking 
after the post game, not one of those guys, players or coaches, seemed concerned at all. They were like, dude, we couldn't hit a shot, and they hit them all. They were getting rebounds, and it is what it is. We're going to chalk it up and go home and, and try harder next time. Nobody was like, oh, my God, dude, what happened? I'm more like that because I'm like, okay, so you're not hitting shots. Let's get on the other other end and shut them down on the other end. Make it an ugly game. That's where I'm concerned as a fan, just a straight fan, who, like you said, isn't an X's and O's guys. I don't have a number of years in a game, but I look at it and I go, he got out-rebounded by 17? He got killed on the boards, couldn't hit a shot, and they hit everything? What did you do right? You they, know? And the thing is, is Nebraska didn't hit everything. Right. They shot at 35%. Thank you. I mean yeah. that you know if if they, they were if, good either really no it would I, I noted it uh, in the in the thread on Twitter during the course of the game uh, it was a grinder Casey right. was a better two point shooter than Nebraska mm-hmm. the two point scorer than Nebraska was it was a grinder of a game because neither team could shoot well where Nebraska gained the advantage was that they were able to get rebounds that K State wasn't picking off and that's where have, not having the size of a Tomlin is going to hurt. You're right, Buddy Rich would be at least a, a way of adapting to that. And, and like he's so springy, that's why I think David Gasson is missing is just someone like he he I, I got I want to see him play with a little more energy. He's too laid back for me. A, a guy like Buddy Rich just kind of bounces around and gets involved in the action, and that's what this team needs is somebody coming up with a crucial rebound here or there. You know, like they need that right, especially. This past weekend, they needed that. They desperately did. And I would have loved to see him get more time on the floor. But One of the things that will be interesting to watch, this team does not come back after the Wichita State game until the 27th. They play again on the 2nd. What gets accomplished in that time frame? It's a short window. Stranger things have happened. And I know, I... For crying out loud, I, you know it's it's the old guy recollections here, but remember distinctly, you know a, a year that ended with the team I'm calling games for in the NCAA tournament, but at Christmas time they played at Louisiana Monroe just before the break, last game before the break. That's a adventure of a trip to tell stories on at another time. Just completely got ran out of the building. This is a team that everybody expected to be challenging for a conference title and expected a lot more out of, and it had been on the rise, and it, this was the year. And they came out of that game sitting at close to 500. It was what took place in that little window right there after Christmas and the adjustments that the coaching staff made and the players bought in. And they turned into a team that lost three games the rest of the way until they got to the NCAA tournament and ran into Kawhi Leonard and San Diego State. Oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> a little buzzsaw there. <laughs> Who? Yeah, uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, the, some, some guy named Kawhi. Uh, it, the point being is that stranger things can have happened and can happen. So, you know, tomorrow night or Thursday night, let's see what they come out with in terms of their approach. Do they look fresher? Do they look... Uh, more involved in the game mentally. And then let's see what the holiday break does for them. You shrug, you go, okay, that's where we're at right now. Third of the season, it's only a third of the season. It is, but didn't you expect like a little bit 
something a little different after LSU, you know, like yes. they looked great there. You're like, all right. Yes, but right like, but writing everything that had happened over the course of about two weeks, mm-hmm. you're going to be mentally tired. Finals in the mix. You know, you can be mentally tired and physically tired and oh. It, you know, it can just bite you at a at a point, and you don't realize it's coming. Mm-hmm. I think the best part about all of it going into that winter break is that there's not one glaring. There's multiple things they can do to fix it. Like there are multiple avenues, right? We can start playing with Tyler Perry a different way. We can start moving the ball around more freely, like we were last year. There's so many things that you could do to fix this team. It's not like, oh my God, this is the thing that we have to fix, and we have to fix this in these two weeks. We got options, so I'm all for options. I just want less dribbling. I'll, I understand. Yeah, <laughs> kick the ball could, around. Quit dribbling around the half court so much, you know. Right. Yeah, but it happens when guys are are skeptical of what they're seeing in terms of the offense. All right, we got to take a break. When we come back, back to K State football recruiting again. We'll tell you about the recent pickup out of the uh, out of the JUCO ranks for K State. That might be the best pickup of the entire. Uh, Recruiting class, plus what the Cats are looking like at position, every position heading into signing day when we come back on the game. All right, we're back on the game. Mitch Fortner, Troy Coverdale, David G., and Owen Burke. Phone number 537-1350. Want to touch now on uh, K-State football recruiting once again as we have signing day tomorrow, starting early in the morning. And, uh, of course, Troy will be giving updates as the day goes on about who is signed, and we'll be covering a lot of that with, or all of it, rather, with uh, tomorrow's signing day show from 4 to 6. Uh, there'll be interviews in there as well. Um, so let's go position by position again. The big breaking news from this afternoon is that the Cats pick up a big-time recruit. Out of the Juco ranks out of Butler Community College here in Kansas, Malcolm Alcorn Crowder is a freshman out of Massachusetts, 6'6", 295. Fifth best Juco player in the class, um, and he's a four-star recruit, which gives now K-State seven guys that will be uh, signing an actual letter of intent that have at least a four-star uh, ranking out of at least one recruiting source. And this past season, 28 tackles, seven sacks, and a couple TFLs for a 5-5 five and five Butler team from this past season. So, you know, position by position, I, you know, I want to first start with the defense because right now the, the defense is looking really solid, in, in really good shape right now, you know, I don't know if we were feeling this good a week or two ago about with the holes to fill, some surprise transfers and Kobe Savage and Nate Matlack. But I got to say, right now, K-State's in a pretty good spot. Safety is looking pretty good because you have your three starters. You have your three starters with the addition of Jordan Riley, who's transferring in from Ball State. He's going to take over that jack safety position, most likely, I would I would guess. Uh, he'll be filling in that Kobe Savage spot. You have Marquis Siegel and VJ Payne, so two returners. And then, I mean, backing him up, Kobe McAllister got a ton of playing time this year, an impressive playing time. 
early on last year, this year, Jack Fabris, mm-hmm. who in last year's recruiting class um, was, you know, I think a lot of us consider him as like, if you were to rank him, he would be towards the bottom of that class. And he, you know, Wyatt was the first one to say to me, you know, watch out for Jack Fabris. Right away, he's going to make a splash. And he played really early on, got some early playing time, and ends up ends up, uh, you know, not playing for the rest of the year. Does have a redshirt still available? Or uh, actually, I do believe he used his redshirt. So because I think he didn't play enough, so he would redshirt. So he'll be a redshirt freshman this next year. So you have a two deep. Ready to go for K State if it's you know Wesley Fair or Daniel Cobb, you know young guys. Colin Barta also a part of the class, just the one pickup they're going to have out of the out of the high school ranks. Corner I feel is in the same position as well. Keenan Garber should be back. Jacob Parrish is going to be back. Justice James, who we heard about in the preseason, is going to be most likely in the rotation. Uh, and Tyler Nellum, who didn't end up really playing this year, is uh, is going to get his opportunity. The transfer from um, Southwest Missouri. Dude, you're looking at me like that way. Just, I mean, that's another spot as well where K State just brings in one recruit. You have Keenan Garber, Jacob Parrish, and then a one. Who are they bringing in for the recruit? Deshaun Rice. I'm not sure exactly how to say his first name. Let me keep going. Yeah, yeah. Linebacker is also in, I think, really good shape with a ton of depth. A ton. Austin Moore is back, and that's huge. Jake Clifton will most likely be your Mike. Desmond Purnell will be your Sam. And then let me just start listing some names here. Austin Romaine, Toby Osinsami, Rex Van Wy. Hashtag my boy, Asa Newsome. <laughs> and then, by the way, two recruits I'm impressed with is Boone Morris and and uh, Jake Stonebreaker. Joe Bracker. I don't know how to say his last name. And uh, Jake Stonebracker was one of the early ones for this class. Um, you know, defensive end. Obviously, it's a big game changer when Malcolm Alcorn Crowder. Has committed. Mm-hmm. Javon Banks might be jumping over to defensive end, not quite sure. And then you have Brendan Mott. And then, by the way, you want to talk about some dudes that were a part of the last couple of recruiting classes with Chidi Obi-Izor, Jordan Allen, Donovan Ryman, and then you add on Travis Bates, the transfer from Austin P, who was really solid this past season. The only big question is nose guard. Nose guard is a big question because if Javon Banks moves over, then you have um, really just Uso and Damian. Mm-hmm. And so, and right now, nobody really is on the um, the radar, I guess, right now of recruiting. So that will probably be looked as a spot to fill uh, sooner or later. Moving to the offensive side of the football, um, so that's interesting, right? The offensive line with Connor mm-hmm. Riley now moving to temporary offensive coordinator. He's going to get mm-hmm. his his uh, dress rehearsal um, and his uh, basically tryout to be the new offensive coordinator in the bowl game against NC State. The whole line is going to play in the game, and that's great news. Um, 
Obviously, Easton Kilty signing on or getting ready to sign on and transfer from North Dakota is going to fill a huge spot. Huge. But you still have plenty of experience. Hadley Panzer, Taylor Portier, Carver Willis get a lot of playing time. And Andrew Linegang is, is going to be in that rotation. He's going to probably start, I would think, next year. But you have John Pastore, Drake Beckwith, Camden Beebe is going to be a redshirt freshman. And then you have four guys coming in. K-State is perfectly fine on the offensive line. Mm-hmm. Perfectly fine. Guys. Four recruits coming in, including Gus Hawkins, four-star. Cade Massey, top player in Can- one of the top players in Kansas. You have Rakers, who's going to be a center. And then, by the way, Will Howard's brother huh. is also in that class. Ryan Howard is sticking with the class. Uh, tight end, young, but Garrett Oakley is your guy. Brayden Lofton is probably not too far behind. Will Ancio... Maybe right behind him. And then, of course, Metzger, who was a part of last year's recruiting class as well. Cats are good now. Going to probably address the future in the upcoming classes more heavily. No doubt about it. But right now, nobody is a – when it comes to tight ends, nobody's a part of this recruiting class. But look out for 2025, Hmm. Desan Brame of Derby. You're calling it right now. Is an absolute dude that Mm -hmm. I know K-State really wants. So just keep that on your radar Mm -hmm. for 2025. Ah. Running back, cats are pretty good. DJ Giddens, Joe Jackson from last year. And then you have two guys coming in, Devon Rice and John Price. I don't think K-State will be looking for any more. I'm not quite sure. I would be pretty happy with with that group of guys. You have two big backs. Because we heard great things about Joe Jackson in the offseason and his potential. So I'm excited about that. Him potentially backing up DJ Gins. So you have two big six-foot backs that are going to be hard to tackle, um, yes. most likely for K-State this next up this upcoming season. Quarterback, probably looking for a backup guy because you're going to have Avery Johnson who's going to start. Jacob Knuth will be on scholarship, I'm sure. Blake Barnett has is going to sign on out of Erie, Colorado. And then most likely going to try to fill a fourth scholarship for a quarterback. And then that leaves us with wide receiver. That's the area I have my fingers crossed they can find a really good receiver in the portal because they need one. Hmm. Jane Jackson, Keegan Johnson, Jace Brown are your returners right now in the rotation. Uh, was impressed by Jaden's work this year. Jace Brown is going to be a stud if he's not already. Uh, that connection between Avery and Jace is real. Is going to be the real deal <laughs> starting on December 28th. <laughs> yeah. um, and then Keegan Johnson um, still has a lot to prove, in my opinion. Uh, got better in the second half of the year, but still has a lot to prove. Um, he was not as good as we thought he would be. And with that being said, I think Cats need a guy or two in the portal. Wyatt Thompson, off air, has been talking me up on Sterling Lockett. So we'll see. But Trey Spivey... Andre Davis, those guys have potential. We know about that. But Spradley Demps and Trey Davis in this year's recruiting class are some dudes as well. So it'll be interesting to see out of the Spivey Davis, Spradley Demps, and and then Trey Davis, out of those four guys, on who could potentially develop and be the guy out of that group. Because I think you know Trey Davis would be my guess right now because he's just been with the program – and he played really early on when it was a blowout against uh, – who do we have in the first game? I'm blanking already. Whoever we had in the first game. 
Uh, oh, Southeast Missouri. Southeast yes. Missouri. He played and, and played a little bit. Had a catch. I, I can't. I can't remember if he had a catch or not, but did play a little bit. So that tells me that he may be ahead of the bunch a little bit. Wide receiver is where we need a guy or two right now. So, um, I, I know there are some guys on the radar. Trent Hudson. Uh, I'd be very encouraged if they did get him out of New Mexico State. I don't think he's committed anywhere yet. Uh, but he is a 10-touchdown, over 500-yards guy last year for uh, for Jerry Kill, right? Jerry Kill is at New yes. Mexico State. Um, there's a number of Texas Tech transfers that the Cats have been recruiting, I suppose. I don't know if they visited or not, but I know that Trent Hudson wasn't here too long ago. So that's where we're at right now. Pretty good spot. I like a lot of the defense potential. Offense has a ton, a lot has a ton as well, just – Maybe the offensive line depth and the running back depth has some to prove for sure. Wide receiver, we need some guys. Right. Let's take a break. When we come back, a number one song of the day and ask us anything, we'll wrap up the show next.